Good morning, brothers and sisters. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I am Mark Hedegar, and I'm blessed, honored, and humbled to be the pastor at Stratford, Salisbury Center, and Middleville United Methodist Churches, where we expect miracles, we recognize miracles, and we celebrate miracles together. Now, I hope those of you at home, you've been hearing this long enough that um, that you're saying that with me, expect miracles recognize miracles, and celebrate miracles together. That's what they do now in the church. They say it uh, together, and it's pretty exciting. We're speaking that truth. Um, as far as announcements go, obviously there's a change in the mask mandate, so if you're wondering if you could come back to church, um, here's how the rules are going to go. Those who are unvaccinated will still be required to wear a mask, be six foot I have six foot of distance between them, and if they're sing, singing, it needs to be 12 feet. Um, those that have been fully vaccinated, uh, there's no restrictions. You will not have to wear a mask, and you will not have to be separated. So um, those are the new rules. If, if that makes it a little bit more comfortable for you to come back to church, uh, that is up to you. Pray on it and uh, do whatever you feel the Holy Spirit tells you. This morning's memory verse comes from Ezekiel 37, 14. It says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. Let us pray. Father God, for all of the ways you speak to us in rushing wind and dancing flames and words we understand and all that transcends language, we give thanks. Give us courage to speak your love everywhere we go, to everyone we meet. We thank you, Father, that you seek us in tender, loving care, lest any be lost. Help us in the same way to reach out towards those who may feel alienated or excluded from the Christian community. Send your Spirit upon us when we speak the word of your love, so people hear and understand in their own language, as on that Pentecost day so long ago. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join me in a call to worship. Come, Holy Spirit, the wind of God, the breath of life. Come, Holy Spirit, our advocate, our counselor. counselor. Come, Holy Spirit, teacher of wisdom, reminder of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, grantor of forgiveness, giver of peace. Come, Holy Spirit. May we feel God breathing through our worship this morning. May we receive the Holy Spirit in this place. This morning's Lady Scripture comes from John 15, 26 through 27, and John 16, verses 4 through 15. I begin with John 15, 26 through 27. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father... He will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. John 16, 4 through 15. But I have said these things to you so that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, Sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. 
It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Amen. This is a word of God for the people of God. We move to joys and concerns and I still love the idea that maybe, maybe, maybe you are all out here listening and uh, screaming out those joys and concerns, or maybe not screaming, but just saying them out loud, loud enough for, you know, to wake the dog or the cat up. Um, yell them out as we go through our joys and concerns. We, we still have people in rehab. We have people in hospice. We have people in nursing homes. We have people in Albany Medical Center. We have people in local hospitals. Um, our work is is never done. We are to pray all day, every day, uh, for these people, for our brothers and sisters that are hurting. But don't forget to give joys. Don't forget to be thankful and, and start with praise and thanksgiving for what the Father has done for us and what he continues to do for us. So this morning's prayer comes from Paul Meeks. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We come not as strangers or foreigners, but as your children. We thank you today for your faithfulness, your mercy, and your grace. You're always there when we need you. You've never turned us away and you've never failed us. You've never failed to fulfill your promises to us and to your world. In our troubles and trials and when the road seemed long, you've been right there with us and helped us through. And we give you thanks and praise today. Thank you, Lord for all you've done for us. But most of all, we thank you for who you are and what you are. We want to tell you that we earnestly want to do your will and fulfill your plans and purposes for us. We're available because we've surrendered our lives to you and you can do with us whatever you choose. We're all busy with the business of living in the here and now. We have jobs, we have families, we have responsibilities. We get involved in all kinds of things some of vital importance, and some trivial. So help us, Lord, to put you first. Help us to keep our priorities straight. Help us to seek first your kingdom and righteousness and let the other things fall into their rightful places. Help us to make the right choices that will count for eternity. We pray for the needs of our people today. We've all come with personal needs. You know what troubles us and invite us to bring everything to you in prayer. So we each reach out to you this morning. We ask you to meet our needs and give us the assurance that you're answering our prayers. We pray for many different kinds of physical needs, financial needs, and emotional needs. Some need healing of relationships. Whatever they are, Lord, we bring them to you and ask you for your grace to show up in our lives. We pray for our community and those that are all around us. We pray for our government officials and those in rulership over us. We pray for divine wisdom 
and the ability for them to lead us justly and wisely. We pray for a revival of godliness and righteousness and holiness in our country and for the forces of evil to be defeated. We pray for your word as it is preached around the world this very day and for those of our brothers and sisters, particularly in countries that don't enjoy the freedom that we have. We ask for your divine anointing on our congregation this morning. Open our ears and give us obedient hearts to not only hear your word, but to be doers of your word. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. This morning's message is titled, What Shall We Do? What Shall We Do? Now, we've spent a lot of time discussing Simon Peter over the past five or six weeks, and I hope nobody thinks I've been picking on him or singling him out for his faith walk. I believe the Holy Spirit gave this series to remind us that even Peter was human and suffered ups and downs and displayed different levels of faith with his walk with Christ, just like I do, just like we all do, just like even Paul did. We strive for perfection, but we will always fall short. We aren't expected to be perfect in the flesh. Remember Paul's famous confession in Romans 7, verses 15 through 21. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, if it is no longer I that do it, I'm sorry, but in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. I believe Paul echoes the struggles of most Christians like me trying to get it right. So this morning, we're going to go back to Simon Peter. We spent those five or six weeks taking a pretty deep look at him before being filled with the Holy Spirit. And today, I'd like to celebrate his change on Pentecost Sunday. But first, we need to set it up. Jesus called his apostles to meet him at Mount Olivet, where he gave them his final instructions. He told them to remain in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, and they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And of course, once more, we see the disciples confused about the mission of Jesus. We read this in Acts 1, verses 6 through 7. It reads, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. And then we hear the promise and charge of Jesus in verse 8. He said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verses 9 through 11 said, When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. 
So let me just kind of throw in a sidebar here. It began, it said, when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up. So I think that's pretty important. Remember, they had to witness this. They couldn't be in the upper room at this time. Jesus couldn't, ascend. well, he could, but he couldn't ascend without witnesses to talk about it later. Does that make sense? We, we uh, have the apostles being witnesses to all of uh, Christ's walk on earth, including his ascension into heaven. So it was very important that they did watch him ascend. So, as I said, Jesus' time on earth was complete, and he was now with his Father. Now imagine for a minute what that may have felt like if you were one of the twelve, or actually one of the eleven at this point. You spent three years or so at the feet of the Son of God. You thought you lost him once when he was crucified, but he came back as he promised. Then you spent 40 more bonus days together after his resurrection, and now you've lost him again. You remember he explained it was good for him to go so the Holy Spirit would come, but what did that really mean? And then, literally minutes before he ascended, you once again were confused, thinking he really meant he would restore the kingdom back to Israel. And then you stood and watched him leave again. Even with the reassurance from the angels, I would guess you would feel a void, an emptiness with him gone from your presence. I know I did each time I walked away from the church and Christ's teachings in my younger years. There was a void and an emptiness that the world couldn't replace. You've heard me quote before, once you've tasted Jesus, nothing else tastes the same. So now the disciples return to Jerusalem and they are assembled in the upper room once again. The Bible says there's about 120 of them, including women, all in one accord, praying daily. We see them replace Judas at this point, which is a good lesson that the church work must continue even in the midst of confusion and uncertainty. We're told to wait on the Lord at times, but not to spend that time idle, sitting on our hands when there's work to be done. So they chose Matthias by lot, and they would now be ready when the time was right to go be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But we move to the real action in chapter 2. We read, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other language as the Spirit gave them ability. So here we see the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus talked about. Every one of them was filled with the Spirit and talked in other languages. It was so loud, so unruly, and so exciting, I might add, that the Jews from inside the city came running when they heard the commotion. And then they witnessed the power as they heard them each speaking in different languages, making it possible for the crowd to understand them. Acts 2, 12 tells us, All were amazed and perplexed, saying to, another, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new, new wine. And here, brothers and sisters, here is where I believe we see the real power and purpose of the Holy Spirit. We now witness Simon Peter after the filling. 
We've reviewed him before the filling, and here we see Simon Peter after he's filled with the Holy Spirit. We see a new, brave, bold, and determined follower of Jesus Christ. And it's no mistake, Jesus sent them all back to Jerusalem. These people we're addressing were the same Jews that persecuted the Christians. Some of them in the crowd were even in on the murder of Jesus. This was a dangerous crowd. But we see Peter, no longer afraid, no longer acting in the flesh, and no longer willing to deny Jesus Christ to the Jews or to the world. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. In the flesh, Peter was weak and unable to take his eyes off the world. But that can be said no more. Now we have the Holy Spirit doing the talking through Peter. And his life, his world, would be changed forever. And so would ours. Simon Peter gave the crowd the good news. He gave them the gospel of Jesus. Verse 36 says, Peter told the crowd, Therefore let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him, meaning Jesus, both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. And then he let the Holy Spirit do his work on the people's hearts. We read of the crowd's reaction in verses 37 through 39. It reads, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. Verse 41 tells us, So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. Praise God. Now, many pastors will preach on this part today, and that's okay. This is the beginning of our church, and it's important, and, and it should be recognized and celebrated. But I wanted to focus on the power of the Holy Spirit today. We see the immediate change in Simon Peter. Do you think he could ever have helped convert 3,000 sinners in one session without the Holy Spirit? And then we see the change in the Jews. These same devout Jews who denied Jesus Christ as the Messiah and even helped murder him were now believers. And these new converts didn't just decide to follow Christ in a general direction. Verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. See, they didn't become just hearers of the word. They, become, they became doers of the word. And it all started with a question, what should we do? Alexa, continue. I would like to ask the same question to each of you this morning. And I'd like to answer it with the same words that Peter used. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. Everyone means everyone, brothers and sisters. 
What better day than Pentecost to receive forgiveness for our sins, to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? If the world has told you that you're not worthy or not good enough to be forgiven, know right now that they're liars. If the enemies convince you that Jesus would never forgive you for the things you've done, know that he is the father of all lies. You believe the Bible, believe that this promise is for you. If you haven't accepted Jesus yet, let's do it together this morning. We're all a family here. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. No one is here to judge you. None of us are perfect. We've all sinned and asked for forgiveness. Come to the altar. Ask Jesus into your life today. Let the Holy Spirit prick your heart. Then be bold enough to proclaim him king of your life in front of your family today. Or come to the altar and renew your commitment to him if need be. Or come to the altar and put your fears, anxieties, and sickness at the foot of the cross where they belong. And then refuse to take them home with you. I'll give everyone a chance to come up today and I'll close a message with the prayer of salvation. For those of you that are listening from home, if you haven't accepted Christ, now's the time. You don't need an altar to come to Jesus. Let us pray. Dear God in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins and the life that I've lived. I need your forgiveness. I believe that your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, shed his precious blood on the cross at Calvary, and he died for my sins, and I am now willing to turn from my sin. You said in your holy word, Romans 10, 9, that if we confess the Lord our God and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we shall be saved. Right now I confess Jesus as the Lord of my soul. With my heart, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. This very moment, I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And according to his word, right now, I am saved. I am saved. Thank you, Jesus, for your unlimited grace, which has saved me from my sins. I thank you, Jesus, that your grace always leads to repentance. Therefore, Lord Jesus, transform my life so I may bring glory and honor to you alone and not to myself. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and giving me eternal life. Amen. Alexa, stop. For those of you that have accepted Jesus for the first time this morning, welcome to his kingdom. A kingdom you will now share for eternity. Hoorah. Praise God. God has given us food in due season, opening a kind and loving hand to provide us with good things. Our offerings are but a small expression of thanks for all he's done and continues to do for us. 
When we realize how much we've received from him, our gratitude should pour out in eagerness to share the good news. Join me this morning as we share our gifts. I thank you for your dedication. I thank you for your obedience and your in your giving. God bless you all. Let us pray. Living God, you are the Lord of all. Only you can send your spirit to bring us new life. We graciously speak your word of hope in times of struggle and uncertainty and in times of joy and peace. We're grateful that you continually work in our lives and in the world to fulfill your promises. May our giving today show our trust in you. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. In Christ, we have been reused from death. At the cross, we have learned the cost of true love. Continue to sing the glad songs of victory. Dare to live the welcoming message of God's grace. Each of us has been chosen as witnesses of Christ's sacrifice for mankind. And now receive the benediction. May the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow from your heart, that all might see and seeing believe in Christ. May God's love, mercy, and grace be with you as you leave this place. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ. Amen. Until we meet again, brothers and sisters, may God bless and keep each and every one of you. Please stay safe and stay in his word. Amen.